And we're live here at the station of decapitation without dread. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined by actor and pro wrestler Ronnie Angel. It's very cool to have you here. Hey, it's very cool to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. How are you doing? I just saw crutches. Ooh. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. Um well I just started a new job at a new high school, so I'm um hobbling around campus right now. Luckily, um for the most part everybody's been uh helpful and cool and kinda like you know, getting out of the way or opening doors for me. For the most part. For the most part. Yeah. No one's kicking the crutches out from under you. Not yet, anyways. (laughs) It's only been a week, so let's see. Yes. Be be careful of Trista. I think she's notorious for for this kind of thing. Oh, I know. I've heard. (laughs) So uh, which came first, uh, the love of pro wrestling or acting? It's kind of funny. It was uh, pro wrestling that came first. I actually started that in oh, um, 2004 and did that for about 10 years. And then I had to retire because I tore my ACL and oh. in, in my other knee. <laughs> and then after that, um, I kind of retired and started to get into other things. Like I got into the writing and then I got into acting. Do you, do you find that the, um, the acting and the, would the acting help the wrestling and the wrestling help the acting? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Like, um, well, I mean, to be honest, you know, a lot of, uh, wrestling is acting and a lot of it is improv and that, that really goes hand in hand with doing the acting work and it helps me out a lot. And in fact, um, I'm very good at uh, improvising when I'm on the different sets. And I've actually told people that if they just let the camera roll, um, <laughs> they'll, they'll get some entertaining stuff. I don't exactly know what they're going to get, but um, <laughs> it'll be entertaining. Yeah. I know professional wrestlers who have taken acting lessons to help them uh, in promos and kind of what you're saying to be more, um, you know, tad lib when you're out there. Yeah, definitely. And I've, I've tried to help some of the other people along too, because I've run into, um, some of the other wrestlers that, um, they have a hard time doing the improv or going off of, um, like somebody else. Right. And it's stepping away from what they had in line. So sometimes if you throw that out there, then, um, you could catch them off guard. So I I try to help a lot of them to just um, be better at improvising and be ready for it. I've actually, I had that happen when I was um, doing some stage productions too, where I've thrown in a few things here and there and just, um, they're completely caught off guard by it. (laughs) You don't hit them with a body slam or anything? Uh, Not yet, not yet. That that would catch them way off guard, though. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So when you heard when you tore the ACL and you started do acting, like, like how, how did that come about? How did you like you know pursue that? It's funny because for years before that, I had listened to people say, "Oh, you've got a great voice. Oh, you should do acting. You're good at improvising. You're good on the mic." And finally, I, I took them up on it and 
it was, it was actually while I was wrestling that I did my first stuff, like um, a couple of uh, short films and like a um, what else did I do? I did a, a web series and I was on stage for a little bit. So it kind of went hand in hand. And then as soon as I retired for the first time that, um, yeah, I just decided to go for it. And it's, it's been in steps, you know, like, um, I know I've always wanted to be in LA and now that I am in LA, I'm, um, making it all count. Oh, so where were you before? Sorry to interrupt. Where were you before that? Seattle. Yeah, Regular I, uh, Terry Funk, though, you know, all, all these retirements. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've had people say that to me before. I was, I thought I was out, but I guess it's like the mob. Like you never are out. <laughs> uh, Trust, do you have a question? Yes. You're a real horror movie expert. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, can you choose one favorite horror movie? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that um, it, it's actually surprised quite a few people that, um, especially when it comes to the slasher books, that everybody thinks, oh, yeah, he's going to pick Halloween, right? But no, actually, um, the one that came before that, that I think was much more influential and, and it is still effective too, is Black Christmas. And that's one of my all-time favorites as far as um going away from the slashers and into just horror in general i would say that um the shining so the shining or uh black christmas whichever side of the fence that you decide to go on the black christmas great it's really dark too like um i always think the you know you see the image but with the with the plastic over her face like there's something i don't know stabbing someone you know that would probably not be good but uh, there's something more horrific about uh, being suffocated with plastic oh yeah definitely and the fact that you don't know who the killer is and you never actually do find out who the killer is um that that's pretty innovative in itself and that it it's not wrapped up at all and in fact um if you watch the end of the movie, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Like they, they could have easily done a sequel, but yeah, they took the different route and uh, went without it. And you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that the, um, the girl that got killed with the plastic. Let me just look through my book here, which also goes back to me mentioning Terry Funk, a great, the I quit match with Ric Flair used plastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I interviewed um, Lynn Griffin from Black Christmas for my first book. Oh, well, what is this book, by the way? Let us know. It's, well, well, this is the second one. Mm -hmm. Slash Dreams, part two, The Nightmare Continues. And part one is kind of funny because I have copies of part one, finally, because they don't last very long when I do the events. And that's good. Now that I finally have them, you know, um, looking at the trunk of my car is uh, a pretty long distance when you're on crutches. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of an afterthought. You know, I get down here, I'm like, oh crap, I should have brought it. But 
ah, it's way out there. But um, yeah, the first one is the guide to slasher movies. And I think I reviewed about like three or 400 of them. And a lot of them, like most people didn't even know existed. And what was really cool is that when I was making the first book, it was before all these companies started coming out, you know, like um, Severin and Vinegar Syndrome and bringing out all these really obscure titles that nobody's ever heard of. And it's cool because now so many more people are getting to enjoy those movies. But um, when I wrote it, it wasn't so easy to track these movies down. In fact, a lot of them were only on VHS, so I had to um, really, really search high and low for those ones. Yeah, I'm glad you took the the road though. That you're you're happy that people can see them because some people will go the other way and be like, "Oh, they're pretenders." You know, I, I watched the original VHS, you know, copies, and now people can get them, you know, pristine copies on Blu-ray. Or- well, you know, what's funny is that. Um, I actually, that was the goal that I had in mind when I first started writing the first move, the first book, sorry, is that I wanted to educate people and basically say that, hey, if you like Friday the 13th, you'll like this movie called The Burning. If you like The Burning, you'll like, you know, A, B, and C, and just kind of um, get people more into the really obscure movies. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the burning. When I was a kid, I had a bootleg because you couldn't get it. No one, you know, I had a bootleg. I don't like, I don't condone having bootlegs, but uh, you couldn't get a cop anywhere. So it was the only way you could yeah. watch it. And that, that's how it was back then, too. And what I, I told people before on um, different other podcasts was that I, I don't think the people that weren't born in that time really understand how hard that it was like right then you have a different appreciation for those movies yeah exactly you you had to work to really find them like some i I moved around a lot as a kid so a lot of the different stores would have different movies and let's say one has return of the living dead there's 10 other stores that don't have that or you're looking for a movie forever, forever and forever. And then finally you stumble across it like five years later and you say, Oh wait, it's cheerleader camp. I saw this <laughs> on a USA up all night, like yeah. five years ago. Yeah. It's a different thing now when you can literally like go on streaming sites and find almost every movie that that's ever been made. And then it's like, ah, do I want to watch this or this? But it was cool. And it's cool now that you can watch anything, but there there is a different appreciation, I think, when it was hard to find stuff. Oh, definitely, definitely. It was it was a hunt. Yeah. And people don't know the burning, you know, Tom Savini did the uh the special effects. Yeah. And I actually um I don't know if you can see that I'm a pretty big fan oh, of Oh awesome. Very cool. I have yeah, a burning got... shirt. I should have wore it for the show today. Oh cool, yeah. See I've got Cropsy. And then I've got the minor from my bloody Valentine. Oh, I'm very happy. Cause that's one I always mention. I think it's a very, uh, underrated slasher film. You know, what's funny is that, uh, my roommate was actually in my bloody Valentine. Oh, really? 
Yeah, yeah. Elaine Udy. Let's see. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Right there. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yes. Crazy how life turns out, right? Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned a couple the burning and, and my bloody Valentine. What are some other you would call hidden, you would, you would consider hidden gems? Hmm. Well, the big one for me is dark Knight of the scarecrow. Oh, okay. That's a good I, as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic and oh yeah. There you go. You might <laughs> I was a little slow on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I first saw that in 1996, I believe. And it, it was another one of those ones where I, saw it on tv and then i searched for it for years afterwards and i remember even going into video stores and seeing a copy and then coming up to the counter and being like hey i'll, I'll buy this from you right now 20 bucks no nah, no can't do 30 bucks nope can't do it all right 50 bucks <laughs> so that's definitely one of my all-time favorites and it's a pretty hard to find yeah or it was back then anyways <laughs> and um what are some other good ones terror train terror yeah i think that's very underrated especially when it comes to jamie lee curtis horror movies and for some reason that's the one that always gets overlooked and i don't really understand why it's i i like it a lot better than some of the other ones that she did actually and my friend Annabelle, that's actually one of her favorite movies, this Terror Train. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And yeah, when you said about the, the cost of VHS, people, you know, if you're younger, like you could go to the dollar store, Dollar Tree and buy like a lot of cool Blu-rays for a dollar and stuff. Today, but it was expensive to buy VHS tapes back in the 80s. Oh, God. Yeah. I remember that, like going into some of the shops and being like, hey, I, I want a copy of a uh, Halloween two, for example. And they were like, Oh yeah, yeah, it's only a seventy nine dollars. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah. I was mentioning this is the first uh VHS tape my mom bought me is Creep Show back here in the clamshell. You know, oh. people might think, Oh, whatever it was that five bucks, but it was it was probably like eighty dollars, like you said at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm a uh, huge creep show fan too especially yeah. part two. Oh, really i like part well i like both of well i know there's a third one but we can forget the third one but uh yeah no less about that one the better <laughs> i actually uh let's see one of my favorite interviews just thanks for the ride lady <laughs> oh excellent yeah old chief woodenhead yeah and it's kind of funny you're mentioning that. Uh, there he is. The hitchhiker. Oh, yeah. Yep. I interviewed somebody from each segment, actually. The hitchhiker, Old Chief Woodenhead, and somebody from the one raft. of the teenagers from the raft. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a great movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. I that, That's one of those few movies that I have 
watched so many times that I've completely lost count. <laughs> uh, Mike Stack in the chat. He says, it's great to see Ronnie on here. And he wants to know what, uh, what got you into pro wrestling? What got me into pro wrestling? That's a good question. It's funny because I did a lot of different things when I was growing up. I mean, I, I played baseball. I was on the wrestling team, did track, did a lot of different things like that. And then I kind of slacked off halfway through high school. So I ended up um, wanting to party more than actually play sports. And then years later, I was living in Montana and I moved back to Washington where my parents were. And just one day, my mom said that uh, one of her customers is a pro wrestler. And she was asking for his contact information and asking if I wanted to try it out. And I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a call. And it just kind of rolled from there. And that, that's how I got started back in uh, 2004. And, oh, God, I, I'm actually writing um, a few different books right now. One of them is about my wrestling career. And the guy that was my trainer that got me into the business, like, I, I, I found I could write a whole chapter on that guy. Because um, interesting guy, to say the least. <laughs> now, Tris, do you have another question? I do, yeah. I'm always interested in what scares horror creators. So mm -hmm. do you have any fears or phobias that you can share with us? Yeah, definitely. It's a good question. Um, it's funny because the big one for me when I was growing up was I walked in when it was premiering on TV. Uh, my mom told me to go to bed. And of course, I snuck out and yeah, you know, hid behind the couch. And I was watching, you know, what is this movie? There's a little girl on a bike, and then okay, like the the wind is picking up. And what is that behind the? Oh my God, is that a clown? <laughs> no, no, he's a friendly clown, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and so it kind of scarred me for life when I was a kid and I remember just like, I, I saw that opening scene and ran off screaming. <laughs> so that stuck with me for a long, long time. And I'm, I'm not really scared of clowns anymore, but as far as like fears and phobias, Hmm. I, I do know that I, I took some of Stephen King's advice and some of the stories that I'm writing right now, um, the, the fiction stories, I, I wrote a, um, a screenplay for a short film, and it, it was scaring me. Like, I, I was thinking, what would scare me in this situation? And I was getting so into it. I, I was actually um, over visiting my parents, and <laughs> I just started typing, and... I think it was about like 10 o'clock at night. I only had a lamp. I was getting really into it. And then my mom knocked on the door and I about jumped out of my skin. I was like, holy, <laughs> she, she scared the crap out of me. And now because I wrote it 
you know, about using their house as a setting. Every time I'm over there, my own imagination scares me. <laughs> so <laughs> that could tell you something about it right now. I really hope that it, I'm able to get it made sometime soon, honestly. So what's, uh, what's your favorite Stephen King story? Ooh, my favorite Stephen King story. That's a tough one. There's so many good ones. Are you talking about the stories or adaptations? Um, well, we can do both. You can do stories and adaptations. I've uh, over the last couple of years, I've been l- listening to tons of uh, King audiobooks. Very cool. Well, a- as far as story goes, um, I I know that there's some uh, iffy parts to it, but as a whole, it is really good. It is. And I'm I'm happy that the newer versions stick to the story and I, I think it's a lot more effective, a lot scarier than the original movie with Tim Curry, which I, I still have all the respect in the world for. Yeah. It's just completely different movie. That's what I like about two. It's two different takes on Pennywise himself. Cause I do think in the newer one, one thing they do better is Pennywise is more otherworldly as opposed to like in the first one, he does come off as like a, a weird clown. Yeah, this yeah, he's, more it's a monster taking the shape of the clown. Yeah, he's he's basically a clown that oh by the way he can kill you. <laughs> and on on the newer one it, it, he's more of a threat and yeah. just darker and scarier. But when it comes to adaptations there's some that I found have very little to to them. And when they're adapted they they just take it to a whole nother level. And with those ones, I mean, some of the best movies were made out of that, like Stand By Me and Sometimes They Come Back, The Night Flyer. Oh, God, there, there's so many good ones that were just, you know, short stories. Yeah, I just actually last week listened to different uh, seasons with uh, with The Body, which becomes um, Stand By Me. Very cool. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty short story, and it's really fleshed out for the movie, like you said. Yeah, and the, the one that always surprised me is Graveyard Shift, because there is almost nothing to that story. I, I think it's one of his shortest stories, actually. And the way that they took that and then they built on it, it's uh, pretty amazing, honestly. I would yeah. Um, I was trying to think my favorite. I actually really like the Dead Zone as far as uh, books go. Yeah, that is another good one. I speaking of ones kind of like that along those lines, it might surprise people that I just recently went back and um, I was able to finally watch Firestarter. That I've I've never seen it before, and I yeah. saw it on Hulu. I think it was. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm completing it. I got to watch this one. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the they have a remake coming out or a new version. I don't know if it's considered a remake, if it's another version of the book, but what, whatever it is, a new version of Firestar is coming out. Yeah, I saw that. I'm I'm kind of curious to see how it turns out. Well, Tristan, what's your favorite uh, Stephen King, uh, both novel and adaptation? I don't know. That's tough. I was trying to think while you were um, uh, talking, but um, 
You know, I also love, I, I, I've been asked this on other podcasts and I always give different answers, but I also <laughs> love it. It kind of scarred me. I'm a big a fan too. Yeah, yeah me too. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I it, think it did that for a lot of us when we were growing up. And interesting what you said about um, your own imagination. I always think the, that's why you can never really capture the ending of it. Because in the book, it's your, your, whatever scares you the most is what Pennywise is and the, and the deadlight. So how do you actually film that? Yeah, and I, I've heard people complain about, I, I remember that they complained about the miniseries, the ending. And then when the new one came out, everybody, you know, is so hyped for part two. And then they're disappointed by the ending. And I've said, yeah. but read the book. It's not easy to adapt. Yeah, I don't, you think, I don't think you completely. could really capture it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a hard it, thing to capture. And I do way, think the strongest part of, I'm sorry, both, uh, both the novel and, and the both movies, I do think the strongest part is uh, the first part when they're kids. I still think that's the strongest part of the story. Definitely. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I was going to ask, have you heard that they're actually making a TV series right now? Yeah, a third, a third one, which is like, a, I think it's going to end up being a prequel to, uh, to it. Yeah, yeah. I heard that it, it just got greenlit. I think, I, I think it was HBO Max that's doing it right now. That's I'm, I'm really excited to see where they go with it. It is weird to think because I, I, for years, I'd seen people talk about like the, the uh, there's like an idea that Shakespeare wasn't real because no one could write this many plays that were like that famous. Or and then you think like look at all the, all the novels and stories that King's written that's become huge movies and big movies and uh, exactly. I don't know if any author's really been that prolific. The one that that kind of boggles my mind is that there's um, Dean Koontz was close but very little of his work has been ad- adapted to the screen mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not sure why it is, yeah it is weird it's probably maybe the first one they did didn't do well and they just thought like you know this guy's stuff won't work it's probably something like that but I don't know that's just my yeah, thing yeah. I've only seen a few yeah, and uh, let's see. I'm just trying to read the chat here. Mike B. Uh, true story. I read the Boogeyman from the Night Shift anthology when I was in seventh grade, and to this day, I will not allow my kids to sleep with their closet doors open. <laughs> <laughs> and his oldest kid is 22. That's legit. Yeah, so I don't know if he does. He call them up and like make sure that the closets. Uh, <laughs> uh, Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> And he also wants to know, is New Solution Pro Wrestling solely solely utilizing homegrown talent, or are they going to be working with Bay Area promotions and other Southwest, West Coast promotions? That's uh, one of the companies that I worked for down here, and there's been um, three shows so far, I believe. And I, I know that they bring in a lot of outside talent, like, I've been on the show and I've seen people that I've never seen before. So I'm going around introducing myself to these new people that are in the locker room, which um, in itself is kind of cool being here in a new place to wrestle, California, that I'm uh, getting to meet a lot of cool people on the wrestling scene because before I was up in the Canadian scene, so it's completely different up there. 
Now, who are some of your favorite wrestlers? <clears throat> it was funny because the I mentioned the Canadian scene. I got to wrestle in Calgary, which is like the Mecca yeah. for me anyways. And a lot of the Calgary guys I've really looked up to, you know, like Bret Hart and Davey Boy and Dynamite and Bad News Brown and a lot of those guys like that. And I, I think growing up, though, my favorites were I, I always tend to uh, cheer on the heel. And some of my favorites when I was growing up and still are today are like uh, Mr. Perfect and Rick Rude and Rick the Model Martel. So uh, a lot of them I, I've really looked up to over the years. Yeah, I always uh, prefer the heel, too. I know it's actually kind of cool now to do it, but when I was like, like I, I grew up in the 80s, so I was a big Piper fan, and I, I really hated Hulk Hogan, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I was rooted for him to lose. Yeah, same here. I think it, a lot of people got to that point where they saw I liked him when he became Hollywood Hogan, but uh, I wasn't. Because, yes. I mean, people were already sick of him and booing yeah, him. Yeah, especially by that point, yeah. It's just like with uh, John Cena, how, you know, there's that point where people just getting sick of him and booing him. And what, what was strange about that one is that they didn't pull the trigger. And, yeah, and look, it, it worked wonders for Roman Reigns when they finally uh, pulled the trigger with him. I mean, it's like one of the best, or probably is the best storyline in WWE. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm still shocked that they didn't do that with John Cena. Yeah. Did you watch WrestleMania? You know, it's funny, that was the night that I was um, wrestling and I got hurt. Oh, that's, that's I, a shame. I know that um, it is interesting because all of the guys were gathered in the locker room watching it live. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm just so focused before a show that, you know, I was just kind of looking at them like, like <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think about my match right now. Right, right. But uh yeah, I watched it afterwards, so and it's kind of funny that um I messed up my knee that night and then I saw one of the opening matches. Oh yeah, with um uh, Rick Boogs. Boogs. yeah. Who is um a, a guy that I've actually become a fan of I agree lately because he's pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. So it was sad to see that he got injured too. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he's one of the stand standouts in the rumble this year. I was like, Oh, this guy's like, it's very entertaining. Oh, yeah. I, I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> like that was actually, I, I kind of watch, you know, here and there. And so I didn't even know who he was until I saw him in the rumble. Yeah. I, I don't watch a lot of WWE TV anymore, but I watched all the pay-per-views because I also do a wrestling podcast. So I watch it with the, and uh, so it was one of my, I've seen him just like, as like a guy with um, Nakamura, but that was the first time I really saw him wrestling. I was like, Oh, this guy's actually very entertaining and his personality really stands out. Yeah, definitely. And the, the fact that he throws people around like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah. I yeah, thought he was just either. like a primarily like comedy guy, but yeah, he's, I was like, oh, I think they could really do something with this guy. Yeah, definitely. Sadly, we're gonna have to wait. Yeah, I was at a Dynamite last night in Boston. AEW Dynamite. Were you really? Yeah, that was a good show. 
there is a guy that's on there now that I have become a huge fan of that I was not aware of until I was on the way to a show and somebody was telling me about it and they played some of the videos for me. And I, I was just like, I'm a fan. Dan Housen. Oh, Dan Housen. I have a Dan Housen pin. Actually, uh, Jason Mitten used to do reviews. He, for my birthday, got me a, a cameo of, uh, of Dan Housen. And he oh, just asked no Dan Housen to like make fun of me. So I don't know about <laughs> that. Mitten great. Guy, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've become a huge fan of his. But, you know, I'm a big fan of AEW. A lot of, there's a lot of talented guys there. A lot of uh, MJF, big fan, uh, Darby Allen. I don't know, a lot of guys. The rap guy, oh, yeah. um, uh, Max, Max Caster, I think, is really talented. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like watching AEW. And, you know, probably the next time that they come through here, I'm going to have to see them. Yeah, their live shows are really entertaining. And all the everyone who goes to them are big fans of wrestling, which sounds like they should you should be anyway at wrestling, but it's not always the case. So, yeah, and it's funny because a lot of the guys that I was training with have done shows for AEW, like dark matches and things like that. Yeah, it was cool because they actually had some local guys in the in AEW Dark that I've seen at our local. Um, I've seen them at our local bowling. Uh, they they used to wrestle at this bowling um, alley restaurant we would go to. Which is really cool. You could rent a, a, a you could you get a table and you get food and you watch the wrestling at the bowling alley. It was very fun. But it's cool to see him on, oh, on cool. AEW. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that here too, and it is crazy to me seeing some of them getting opportunities like that. It, it's really cool. Yeah, and and um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bobby Cruz, who's a ring announcer on Ring of Honor, and he's a local guy too to me. But uh, he was on last night to uh, to do uh, one of the. Uh, it was a uh, Wheeler Wheeler Utah, who's a Ring of Honor Pure Champion. But he was on the show, and they had Bobby Cruz, who's a local guy, do the the uh, ring announcing, which I thought was pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah, I know that one of the guys that uh, speaking of Ring of Honor that they brought back that was surprising to me, and I've become a pretty big fan of his, especially given his age is a uh, PCO. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've had him on the podcast, uh, on my wrestling podcast really back in the day. Then I had him on just, uh, was late last year, but yeah, he reinvented himself as is a great tie in for the horror show. Cause he's reinvented himself as, uh, like the wrestling Frankenstein. Yeah. He's actually yeah. a member of our group. He posts on there sometimes. Very cool. Very cool. But yeah. yeah Krista, if you've not seen PCO videos, I would recommend them. They're very entertaining. The wrestling Frankenstein. Yeah. And his manager is like uh, Dr. Frankenstein and he'll zap, he'll electrocute him and throw him into the river and all kinds of just insanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like in his mid fifties, I think. And he's like probably the height of his career right now. Yeah. Well, probably yeah a couple it, years ago. But. It's really cool to see that kind of gives me some hope. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I saw you did a lot of Dustin Ferguson uh, movies. Yes. Yes, I do. And it, it's kind of funny because when I first moved down here, like I, I didn't know much about like the horror scene down here in LA. And I had been talking t with him for a while, uh, just on like different fan appreciation threads. 
And I finally moved down here. I met up with him and he offered me a role in something and it's kind of rolled ever since then. So I have him to thank for actually being in the acting business down here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Dustin's a really nice guy. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Yeah. We actually went and did something. Um, I don't know how much I could say about it right now, but I know that it's out there at least. And we started filming a show called Horror on Location. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We went around to all the different like um, movie locations, like from Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, just you name it. We went to like, it had to be like 50 different movie locations. And we'll, we'll see what happens with it. I'm really excited to see how it turns out. Yeah, that's really cool. He's he he's made like three hundred movies in, in like the in two years or something. Well, more than that, but he's he makes a lot of movies. Yeah. You know, it, funny story about that that I've told people before. There's been a few times where I've gone down there and he says, "Hey, I want you to do these parts for this movie." So I'll go and film them, and then he says, "Oh, I want you to film." <laughs> since you're here, change your shirt. And do these scenes for another movie. And you know what? While we're here, we might as well do another one. <laughs> All right. So sometimes when people ask me, like, so which movies have you done? I I don't even know all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you did them all in one day, right? And he cuts them up. And yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just so many that I've worked on. But as far as that TV show goes that we filmed... um. I, I got to see one of the episodes that he finished and I got to say it, it looks pretty amazing. So hopefully we hear some big things about it. Yeah. That's very cool. Very exciting. Uh, Tristan, yeah. I have a question. Sorry to take all the questions. No, it's okay. Um, yeah. You were talking about the horror locations, but you were mm-hmm. also doing horror tours, right? Um, uh, I'm not sure if you're still doing that, but I want to know more about it. Yeah, yeah. That is uh, actually where he got the idea to do the horror on location. Because when I first moved here, I bought a van and I started the business, Hollywood Horror Tours. And it was bad timing because I bought the van in March of 2020. So you could kind of see where that's going. And right when COVID shut everything down, so I wasn't able to get very much business. So I ended up selling the van, but I I still do the tour. So So if anybody ever wants to do a tour, just let me know. And I would be more than happy to take somebody and show them around. That's really cool. How did that come about? It, it was one of those things where I just knew so much about when, when I first moved to LA, I started going to all of these different locations and just for fun. And then I started to realize, you know, I'd be a pretty good tour guide. So I, I just started doing that. I thought, you know, I should start up a company and I, I had like the entire business plan and had everything all laid out. And it sadly, it just didn't work out. It was bad timing. But like I said, I mean, 
I'm still willing to do it. And it's just on a smaller scale. But yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to, just let me know and you could book a weekend and I'll take you around. Cool. Well, how would people uh, contact you? Uh, mainly Facebook. Facebook is kind of my go-to thing. I know that um, a lot of people use Instagram. So I, I caved in. I got an Instagram too. So I, I have both right now. So people can contact me either way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty easy to reach. I'm the same way. I have the Instagram just because you kind of have to have it. But uh, I, I'm not really a big fan of it. Yeah, I, I got it because when I first moved down here, I was doing like different, you know, I don't even know what some of them were sometimes, like TV shows and infomercials, things like that. And I would always want to keep in touch with everybody. And I'd say, hey, what's your Facebook? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? Facebook? <laughs> That's 10 years ago. We use Instagram. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Guess I'll get an Instagram then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that a lot that only old old people use the Facebook. But yeah, I'm an old man. What can I say? But back in the day, it was like, why are you still on MySpace? You should <laughs> right, be on right. Facebook. Yeah, I said this a million times on the show, but uh, a fan of the show uh, one day he was like, "Do you mind if I make a without your head Facebook page?" And I was like, "Whatever that is, go for it. I don't care." But yeah. <laughs> that's the one I we still use today. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So thank Andrew. Yes. Canada. Yes. Uh, so the greaser gimmick, where, where did this come from? It's kind of funny because that came from a few different things. And one of them was people always come up to me and they say, Oh, you must be a big fan of Greece. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Actually. Greece is the I've word never, is the word that you heard. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never been a huge fan of Greece, but I was always a fan of like the outsiders and the wanderers. And the big one though is Stephen King movies. Going back to Stephen King, yeah, like Stand by Me, and sometimes sometimes they come back, and it, it a lot of his villains were greasers. Mm-hmm. And I would remember that my dad would tell me stories of a bully that he had when he was in school and he was a greaser and they gave him a nickname. Like, um, I, I think it was like that. That's what it was. His name was Ronnie, but they would, um, joke around and they gave him the nickname Ronnie angel. And I, I kind of thought that he's kind of full of it, you know. And when I met up with one of my dad's friends who I'd never met before, they were sitting there talking about, oh, what do you think ever happened to Ronnie Angel? And I was just like, oh, wait, <laughs> I guess he was real. Yeah. So that's uh, kind of where it came from. I was originally supposed to be, um, I remember I was going to call myself Das Vampir. And be like a German vampire character and um, basically a ripoff of Gangrel. <laughs> <laughs> like even dressing the same. Yeah. I had hair down the here, but I, I don't know what came over me. 
when I was first starting, I decided to just cut my hair, take out all my piercings. And I, I don't know why I just completely changed overnight. And my trainer was kind of pissed at first, honestly. And I remember him yelling at me, Oh, you killed your gimmick. <laughs> like, but then, then he kind of saw it as he's like, Oh, wait, you might be on to something there. So yeah, that's how, uh, Ronnie Angel came about. Interesting. Christine's another one with a, with a mean greaser bully. That's right. One of I my favorites. Definitely. Yeah. I think King must've been bullied really bad as a kid. Cause it is a theme in a lot of his uh, stories. Definitely. Definitely. Maybe there's, um, some bully greasers of his own. Yeah. He would, he'd be from that era. I think. Yeah, definitely. I trust another question. Do you have any advice for aspiring wrestlers? Yes. Yes, I do, actually. Um, I would say, and I, I tell people this all the time, don't just stick to one area. Try to get your name out there. Try to wrestle as many places as possible and take any opportunity that comes at you. Because... When I was first starting, I first started it down in Portland, and there were guys there that had never left Portland. They'd been wrestling 10, 20 years, and they'd never wrestled anywhere else. And a lot of the people that I knew from in that area, I was always trying to get them like, hey, get your passport. You need to go to Canada with me. And some did, some didn't. But... I, I always say that. And one of the things I always say too is and this kind of goes for life in general. And that's um, leave, leave ahead of time. Like leave a lot of time for yourself because when you go and visit some of these new places that um, you're, you're going to want to explore, you don't want to, you know, hop off the airplane, do your thing and then hop back on the airplane again. So I, I always tell that to everybody. And what the big one though, is that you're always learning, like always be willing to listen. And even if you've been doing it for like 20 years, you can still learn something. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning things all the time. Pretty much anytime I go to a building or do a show, I'm learning something from somebody. Um, I think that's actually really good advice about um, seeing the area too is because I used to do a lot of conventions, not so much anymore, but for a while you, you, you people ask, well, what was, you know, Atlanta like, whatever. And it's like, I don't know. It was, I saw the airport and then the hotel, but then, you know, I started like a, actually seeing the place and, and going places, even just eat places to eat that you can't go somewhere else. Don't just go to a chain restaurant that can go anywhere, you know, it's nice just to see the area while you're there. Cause you don't know. If, sometimes you think, Oh, well, I'll be back here, but you don't know. You might never be back there again. Yeah, exactly. And like you don't fly across the country to eat at McDonald's. Right. That's a pet like, peeve of mine. If I'm with people and they just want to get, it's not even that I, uh, I'm against, like it does have to be expensive, but someplace that, that I can't eat at home. Yeah. Yeah. Like we went to, the uh, chiller convention back in October in New Jersey. And the 
I, I'm not kidding. The first thing I did when I got off that plane was I went to White Castle. I, I found one and I, I got like one of those giant suitcases full of burgers. Uh-huh. And I did the first thing. The first time I was in Chicago is the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I made it through like half of it. And then I said, I'm never eating White Castle again. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It's, yeah it, it was cool just because I never had it, but it's not necessarily something I need to, to have again. Yeah. Yeah. And going along with that, I mean, exploring like my brother and my mom, they go to England or Paris like once a year. But I I always tell them, why do you only visit London? When I was in England, I was there for two weeks. I was in London for one night. (laughs) I mean, I, I was exploring the entire country. Yeah. So I I'd much rather do that. When I was in France, I was in Paris for one night, and then I, I was in the countryside in the Alps for the entire rest of the week. So I, w- I would say that to everybody, just in any walk of life, go explore the countryside. Yeah. And like I said, it doesn't have to be like real expensive stuff. It's fun to, to just go around and look at any place, I think. Yeah. Where are some I mean, of your favorite places you've been uh, on the road? Ooh, um, well, like I said, England was very cool. Everybody was very cool, fun to hang around with. And I, I made friends pretty much everywhere I went. And that's definitely my favorite place. I'd love to go back. I, I even thought about moving there at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I'm still... Pacific Northwest at heart like that. That'll always be home for me. Washington and Oregon. Uh, We're actually going back to Astoria in two weeks, I believe where they film like the Goonies and short circuit and everything. Yeah. Um, In general, that's probably my favorite place in the entire world. Like if I could reach that point where I could retire, I I would want to go there to Astoria but I there, everywhere has its own charm. Like probably my all-time favorite was Canada, just because I, I spent so much time up there for almost five years straight wrestling up there, and just everybody's really cool. And I mean, it's beautiful. Not downtown Vancouver. I mean <laughs> that. There, there's sections of that you would rather avoid, honestly. But for the most part, I, I love Canada. I think Brian Alvarez is is from Astoria. Uh, writes the um, he's with Dave Meltzer, does the Wrestling Observer, but he does the Figure Four Weekly. I I, I know who he is. I've we used, used to be an independent be. wrestler too. I think he's from Astoria. Yeah, yeah. I've run into him up at a few shows up in Washington, and this is years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't really remember having in-depth conversations with him. But I, I kind of wish that I did now because I'm sure that we would have a lot to talk about. But uh, another place that's really cool is uh, Zambia. I spent some time there and um, I, I had a lot of fun in Zambia. Even though I almost died and got bit by a snake, I oh, still wow. had fun. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're all right. Well, 
Uh, you're all right from the, the snake bite, but I know you've got a bad leg at the moment. But. Yeah, it's just my luck. Luck of the Irish, I guess. Uh, Mike Stack wants to know, is there a Ronnie Angel t-shirt? He would love some merchandise. There needs to be. There needs to be. So, honestly, I've been thinking about that, and I am going to work on it. So, hopefully soon. I, I know some people that make t-shirts. So I, I just got to get a right design and yeah, there will definitely be Ronnie angel t-shirts in the That'd future. Very cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of sites out there, you know, you can get your merchandise up, you know, on different, like, uh, uh, pay, you know, they'll print and print on demand stuff. stuff. So if, if you want to buy a whole bunch of shirts to have in stock. Oh yeah, definitely. I trust it. You have another question. Yeah, along those lines, I know you do have combs, and um, maybe you could tell people where they could get that. And also, I want to make sure people know where they can get your books, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, the best place to get it is on Amazon right now, because um, that, that's where almost all of my sales come from. It, it all goes uh, directly to me. Well... I shouldn't say that. I, I get a tiny percentage of the book sales. Um, you'd be amazed how much they take out. But yeah, yeah, go to Amazon and just look up the book Slash Dreams and Slash Dreams Part 2. And that's the best place where you can find them. And I also tell people too, get a hold of me on Facebook if you want me to just sign a copy for you. Like you could just order it directly through me. I'll sign it and then I'll send it out to you. I actually just did that about three or four days ago, sent out a few copies to somebody and yeah, I mean, um, the wrestling shows and I've also started working with a company called Tino evil. Huh? They should make my t-shirt. I should talk to <laughs> yeah exactly get, get get them to work on that yeah yeah i i'm gonna be going to conventions with them and i'm gonna be selling my book at their booth oh nice and yeah yeah so i'm gonna be helping them out and they're gonna be helping me out so should work out so is it just a, a, a like a black comb or is it like the i remember when i was a kid i don't know if they have any more like the switchblade combs that would pop that's out. it oh sweet yeah. Yeah. I God, I wish I had one to show you right now, but yeah, I, I sell the switchblade combs. I oh, easily keep I, like a whole case of them. I approve of this. I don't have I don't really have a hair anymore to, to use one, but <laughs> but I, I, I could put it up on, on the bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do that too at the wrestling shows. I, I sell a lot of the combs and I, I always autograph the box. And it was funny because I got the idea from Calibris, they the, the band they band, would come yeah. through my town and i i got to talk with them get to know them a little bit and that they always had those combs and uh, i found out that they sell a lot of them yeah. at their shows and they always do they sign them and everything so i have them to thank for giving me that's that idea cool. that's actually a, a good time because th- there is like a lot of the kind of the greaser element uh in, in a lot of the, the horror punk, a lot of the different bands. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's really cool, honestly, that uh, we're getting to see a lot more of that, like 
kind of the the horror rockabilly type of a thing yeah the the mixing of that and yeah i i just think that's really cool to see do you know the band the other it's a horror punk band in germany it's kind of a cross between uh your das uh, vampire gimmick and, and the greaser gimmick if yeah, you don't know yeah. Them, I, I would uh, suggest checking them out for sure for sure R- really great uh videos on youtube very cool yeah yeah i'm i dig it yeah and where can uh, people follow you not uh, to kick your crutches out but uh, online <laughs> like like i was saying i mean um on facebook is the big one because i am just look up ronnie angel there. yeah yeah ronnie angel and i'm always on there i'm updating what i'm doing and where i'm going to be making appearances and a lot of other stuff too that if you could um get past some of my um nonsense postings sometimes because a lot I'm, of times i'm just... really no nonsense guy no <laughs> i i post not non-stop <clears throat> nonsense but yeah oh yeah yeah i mean in between me you know talking about appearances and things like that you'll hear me debating who is the real leader of the weasel gang on who framed Roger rabbit or who would win a fight between Donald and Daffy duck. So <laughs> just bear with me folks. Yeah. It's just like the kids and stand by me talk as goofy a dog or, you know, why, why can one talk and one when the other and Pluto can't. Yeah. Yeah. I still wonder that. Yeah. I didn't think about it before I heard it on the movie. Then I'm like, that doesn't. Yeah. By the way, I've been told that out of all the weasels on Who Framed Dr. Rabbit, I would be the one with the Tommy gun. I've had a lot of people tell me that. (laughs) I can see that. Yeah, that fits. But what is it about the the slasher genre specifically in horror that uh, that caught your attention? That's a really good question. It's just one of those things that I kind of gravitated towards. Like when I was growing up, like I would, I would rent like, a stack this high and i would just like sit there and just go through them over an entire weekend or however many days i had them and the ones that always entertained me the most were the slasher movies and i'm not sure why but they were always just so fun to watch and so entertaining so it, it reached a point where i was um working at a convention called crypticon up in seattle yeah I was their announcer and I was a panelist for about five years and somebody came up to me and said, you know, you really know your stuff. Why don't you write a book? And I never thought of that before. So I was like, huh, write a book. Um, I'll give it a shot. So yeah. And then there you go. That's how the slasher book started. Oh, very cool. I'm like, I would like to check the book out. I'm very curious. And I like the, you know, the pictures and stuff you showed. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to send you a copy. There's a... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, you go on. Oh, I was going to say that um, they, they were a lot of fun to write. And they're, they're full of so much information and a lot of, like, lists and things. And, like, on part two I'm looking at right now, and I, I went into obscure territory. There's, like, Blood Voyage, Blood Beat, blood frenzy <laughs> um that there's an interesting one cards of death a movie that 
I don't think I'm familiar with this. Nobody is. <laughs> I interviewed one of the actors from it, and apparently it was never released in the U.S., and it got a very small release in Japan where only a few copies existed. And then somebody happened upon it over in Japan and brought it back to the U.S. and made some copies of it. But yeah, um, very obscure. And it was honestly a kind of a precursor to Saw. Do oh, you really? believe that? From 1985. Huh. Yeah, very interesting, innovative movie. But yeah, I, I've got so many obscure movies and lists like... Um, <laughs> that's a fun one i've got the final girls the top final guys and top 10 would be final guys the mm. ones who almost made it oh but didn't. Those, the second to final i guess there, that needs to be a yeah term. yeah the well the first one i have is ali from friday the 13th part three somebody who i i always thought should have lived but man <laughs> very cool well this has been very fun to talk with you i'm glad trista set this up me too thank you so much Th this has been a lot of fun yeah and we do uh list sometimes a 13 i think i think in the future 13 uh slashers maybe would would be a good one to get you back on if you're up for it we we we, we each have our, to. our top 13 list maybe it would be slashers yeah i would love that i mean um yeah, I've I'm even on a trivia team here in Burbank. And I've been to that once, and I thought I knew a lot until I was there, and I was like, "Oh, these people know uh, like insane amount of things." That yeah, I'd be happy yeah, if like, I got a question right. But yeah. Oh God, some of them like uh, at the last one I was at, they brought up a category, and they said, "Oh, it's all about the fly," like the original, and I I just like went. I'm out. <laughs> I'm probably in the minority. I actually prefer the original fly, but I, I know uh, most people do not, but I like it. I probably would not do good trivia about it, but yeah. I know that, you know, there's some like that where, like, oh, what, what kind of beer were they drinking on Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, it's insane like, stuff. People <laughs> I have no know clue. that stuff. I know. People, you know who kills that trivia is Dell. Have you seen Dell there? Dell from Dark Delicacies. He, he yeah. knows all of that shit. It's amazing, actually. You know what's really funny is Larry Zerner from Friday the 13th Part yeah, 3. He Shelley. was there when I was there at the time. Yeah. He's on my team. Oh, cool. Maybe you might have been there when I was there. I don't know. It was, it was 2019. I don't know. I don't know. I, I do know, though, that the last time I was there, um, oh, yeah, the, the question was, that Anne Ramsey played a character on Deadly Friend who shares the same name as a famous horror character, one of the most famous horror characters in history. And I, I was racking my brain and I couldn't figure it out. And then they gave the answer and they said, oh, it's Elvira Parker. And I was like, that I literally wrote about that in my book. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah! I remember, the, 
One of the questions was the kill count in like RoboCop 2 when it was like 116 or something. I was just like, how did anyone know this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I thought I knew my stuff, and I do. But, yeah, some of those people know a lot. It's actually funny because I've had people tell me, yeah, you're without a doubt the slasher expert. And that that's cool to, to hear when people say that. But I have a friend up in Seattle I used to work with at Crypticon. And when it comes to Giallo films, yeah, I have I have no clue. <laughs> he I wouldn't know either. He knows every obscure Giallo movie and will draw connections from like cinematographer to this actress worked on this one in 1963. And like, I'm my head's going to explode just listening to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just felt like I'm a big fraud when I was there. <laughs> no, you got one though, huh? Yeah, I did get a few. Yeah. It yeah. was, uh, I did well on the Christmas horror trivia. See, I, I do well on that. And I did well on like the Texas chainsaw massacre one. And I've, um, I do well enough on a lot of them. But then there's other ones where I just have completely. Yeah, there was some that was, I didn't know how anyone would know. And there was a fight when I was there. Like, they didn't get into a physical fight, but they were arguing over the answer of one of them. Yeah, they they took it very serious. They were were not happy with the, they thought the actual answer was different than what what they had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it. I've seen stuff like that. I, um, one time I, I got up there at like the speed round, I, I answered like right before anybody, they even got the question out is something like, um, the recently passed William Smith was in the 1988 thing. <laughs> okay. We didn't even finish the question, but what is it? Maniac cop. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. So hopefully the, the next time. My team might win, but <laughs> who knows? We've, yeah. we've walked away empty-handed a lot. Like I said, there's a lot of really, really good people there. Yeah, but it's a good time. I would recommend it. If, uh, even if you don't win, it's good. It's fun to be there. Yeah, definitely. It's just cool being around everybody. Are they do it again? Or, I know it was virtual for a while. I don't know if it's... Yeah, yeah. We've done about four or five in person. Oh, okay. Maybe not even that many, but yeah, um, just this year they came back with, with in person at blast from the past over in Burbank. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a great time. I'm very happy to meet you. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on. I've, I've really enjoyed it and this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And Mike says, hello, Trista, Mike stack. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll do this again sometime and heal up. I will. Thank you so much. Hopefully, I don't require surgery. So yes, yes. we'll see. I, I just know that um, while I'm hobbling around on crutches, any of my friends that uh, try to cheer me up and say, hey, let's go for a drink. I got to think about it because <laughs> I don't I don't want to get to that point where I'm like, ah, my leg isn't that bad. Right, right. <laughs> We'll, we'll take, it it e- take it easy take it easy yeah that's what i'm doing right now is i'm still getting around but yeah i'm gonna take it easy for sure thank you yeah 
right. We'll take care, everybody. Thanks for watching. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Have a good night. You too. Bye.